All right, we're working our way through Romans uh, chapter 11. I've probably got two weeks left uh, this week and, and probably next week. Uh, we've finished uh, up through around verse 13, and um, we're going to try to get uh, down through somewhere in a 22, 23 range today. So um, how about I read... Um, 13 through 18, and would someone want to read 19 through uh, 25? Tim, okay, let me read the first part, then you pick up after that. Verse 13, for I speak to you Gentiles, inasmuch as I am, not an, I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. For if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them, and them became a partner of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, do not boast against the branches." But, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You read in the, is that the King James? Yeah. Okay, I hadn't heard that in a while, and it's a, it's a, it's a good place. Scofield. Scofield, well, well, we'll let him in here. <laughs> yeah, okay, that was interesting, but good, thank you. Um, just a reminder, uh, we grew up with the King James, that's all, that's all I really knew, and uh, so anyway, so Paul's work in his way, chapters 9, 10, and 11 all go together, the idea that... Um, Israel is, uh, and Paul's love for Israel in chapter 9, he says, I tell you the truth, I am not lying, my conscience bearing me witness, and the Holy Spirit, I have great sorrow and continuing grief in my heart, for I wish that I myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, my countrymen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites. 
So Paul makes this distinction between Israel and the Jews. He makes a very clear distinction here in chapter 9, chapter 10, he, uh, or early in chapter 9 and chapter 10. Brother, my heart's desire and prayer for you is that Israel, they may be saved. And so Paul is, uh, is a Jew himself, uh, and he is uh, now an apostle to the Gentiles, as I just read here. And, uh, uh, and now we're dealing with chapter 11. What about the Gentiles? Are they cast off forever? Or excuse me, what about the Jews? Are they cast off forever? Does God have a plan for them? And chapter 11 here culminates in the fact that, yes, God does have a plan for them, and he's always had a plan for them. It's an interesting plan when we get to it here, um, but uh, it is certainly in God's sovereign prerogative to work this way. In verses 13 uh, and 14, to put things in context here, uh, actually, verses 13 through 24, Paul is speaking directly to the Gentile believers in Rome. And I would say the professing Gentile believers, obviously not, not everybody there is a believer. Uh, we see here he calls himself an apostle to the Gentiles. Uh, he had spent much time preaching to the Jews, uh, and he wanted to see them turn to Christ. However, Paul's outreach was to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And we saw that in Acts 18, that Paul was... Uh, was originally a Jew himself, a Pharisee, but God called him to uh, preach specifically to the Gentiles. We saw that in Acts 18. You can also look at uh, Acts chapter 9. Um, and then um, in verse 14, uh, we've already seen at the beginning of chapters 9, 10, and 11 that Paul has a great love for his kinsmen, the Jews. And in, in verse 14, Paul makes no apology for his motives to see some of the Jews be saved. He's an apostle to the Gentiles. That's his main focus, but he still has his heart, as it were, for his own family, uh, his, own, uh, his own kinsmen. Uh, picture yourself as a, maybe a missionary uh, going to some foreign country, but your children aren't believers. And so you can understand how Paul would be a missionary to Taiwan, but also he still has this desire to see his own family in this case, it's his kinsmen uh, come to Christ, and he wants to see them be believers. In verse 15 and 16 here, uh, if they're being to cast away as the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the death? Um, the casting away of the Jews brings reconcile, reconciliation to the world. This is God's plan that the Jews who were disobedient, not completely, and we'll talk about that later, but as the most part, were disobedient. Uh, and so uh, their disobedience leads to this spiritual awakening of the Gentiles from the dead. Uh, the, the gospel was, we've looked earlier, the gospel was always to go to the Gentiles, according to Isaiah. However, I think it was supposed to come through the Jews. And when the Jews failed to bring the gospel, then, uh, as it were, God, uh, not as a second plan, he always knew this, but... Uh, he holds the Jews responsible, but he has a different plan now to bring uh, the, uh, the gospel to the Gentiles. Uh, let me just say a word about the word world um, in, in verse uh, 15 there. World. The, uh, and this is where we always talk about context is king. 
um, it is clear in this context that the word world includes Jews and Gentiles. He says, if they're being cast away as a reconciling of the world, what would their acceptance be from the dead? Uh, and so when we read verses uh, like um, John 8, let me just turn there. When we read verses like John 8, 12, we have to keep in mind what the context there was, or there is. And then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The world would include Jews and Gentiles. It's the idea there that not just the gospel going to the Jews, but the, he's the light of the world. We, we all agree that Jesus is the savior of the world. And, uh, and we see the same thing. Uh, in John 3, chapter 16, in a verse that I probably should just memorize, which I have, but I've learned a lesson to always turn there. Uh, John 3, 16, uh, notice here, when we read verses like this, for God so loved the world, who is that? That's Jews and Gentiles. That's not, that's the, uh, in, that's Jews and Gentiles from the entire, uh, around the world. And he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the teaching universal uh, salvation. This is teaching that there, as, a, as a group, the world, um, it, it, we, we need to understand the context. So, so when we read, for God so loved the world, uh, it is not talking about universal atonement, but God's love for men and women, boys and girls, from every kindred, tribe, and tongue around the world, every nation, as it were. Uh, and then the, the phrase in verse 16, uh, which says life from the dead, uh, does not speak about the Jews, but in, I think it's in reference to the Gentiles. Notice the verse there uh, in 16. For if the first fruit is holy, it is also holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. Um, and um, the, uh, the idea here is they're being cast away in a reconciled of the world will bring life, I'm sorry, verse 15, their acceptance will be life from the dead. That is the Jews, or the Gentiles' acceptance will be regeneration. The, the Jews' acceptance of the gospel will be uh, new life. And um, it is not a resurrection from the dead, which will occur someday, but Paul is speaking of spiritual life, similar to what we would read in Ephesians chapter 2. You were dead in trespasses and sin. Um, and uh, before God saved us. Yes. 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 Now, they're being cast away as the Jews. Okay. Being cast away. Their acceptance, excuse me, cast away is reconciling of the world. So the world would include Jews and Gentiles. So they're casting away as the Jews. The Jews had the gospel first, and then the Gentiles would be included in the world, or the Jews would be included in the word world. So the idea is, is that the, the gospel didn't go just strictly to the Jews, but it went to the whole world. And so I think that's what, and we'll see that as we get through here, how that uh, works out. Some people think that the word world only refers to Gentiles, but I don't, I don't think it does uh, in the rest of Scripture. For God so loved the world, right? He came into the world and his, and, and his own received it not. 
that the idea is there that uh, there's Jews and Gentiles but make up the great congregation that are going to be saved. Does that, that make sense? It does, but again, we'll talk about this later. Jews and Gentiles aren't saved differently, so there, and so there's still going to be Jews saved during the time, and so that's why I say the word world would include everyone. Yes, all right, that's clear. All right, in verse 16 here we see, for if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the, the branches. Here the apostle Paul, he gives a stern warning to the Gentiles, about being arrogant or prideful as, a, as the nation of Israel um, had done. Uh, remember here, he's, he reminds us salvation is all of grace. And the, gen, the Jews had rejected the gospel. <laughs> and Paul wants to make clear here that the Gentiles are not arrogant or become boastful because of what's happened to the Jews. So you can't say, well, look at those Jews. They were cast away. And Paul's going to deal with that whole attitude here in the next uh, few verses. Uh, the Gentiles were certainly as great as sinners as the Jews. There was nothing different about them as far as their sin. Uh, we, we learned this earlier in Romans. There's none righteous, no, not what? Not one, not one. That includes Jews and Gentiles. There's none righteous. And so Paul wants to make clear here um, that the, the Jews and the Greeks or the Jews and the Gentiles, it includes all of us. And so Paul's going to use this analogy of the dough uh, and that of a tree to make his point here. Notice in verse 16, for if the first, first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. So he's going to use two analogies here uh, to make his point. Uh, first, um, uh, the... One writer says the apparent confusion of the metaphor first fruit and lump is resolved by the fact that the first fruit does not apply exclusively to the harvest, but in general terms to the first portion of everything which was offered to God. So the first fruit would not be just of, of things that are from the ground, but it would include your animals, right? It would include the things you make. First fruit would include anything that God blessed you with. And so if you were blessed with uh, a crop, you would have the first fruits of that. But if you were making bread, the first fruit would be of that dough or that lump. And so Paul is just making a point here that um, if the first fruit is holy, the lump is holy. The, the whole thing is holy. If the, if the loaf of bread is holy, all the loaves of bread are set apart uh, for that. So the idea here is... Uh, is, again, everything. Uh, this would include not only crops, but vegetables, bread, and cakes that were made from wheat or grain. Uh, and if you want to look at it, uh, you can look at uh, Numbers chapter 15, verses 18 through 21. Uh, and according to that, uh, the Israelites were to set apart a portion of the dough of each baking of the bread or cake for the priest. So every time they made dough, they would set aside a portion for the priest. And so that's the idea of being holy or separated. And so that dough, the, if, the, if what was set apart was holy, obviously the, the main dough was holy. And so he's making a point here 
uh, and we'll see that. Uh, stay with me because it's important. Uh, the second figure, anybody have any qu- comments or questions on that? Because I know that can be a little confusing when we first read it. But the idea, Tim? The first fruits would not just include things that are that you would grow, just vegetables or, or apples from the tree, but it would include the animals that were born to you. It would include the dough or the bread that you would make. That would also, you would set a portion of that aside for the priest. And so that would be the first fruit. So it wasn't just that you would pick the, the first corn that would come up, but it was if you made bread or dough with that corn or wheat, then that itself would be the same, would be holy. Does that make sense? Yeah, the first fruits would, is bigger than just the, what we normally think. And that's why I said in, in Numbers 15, you can see that they were to take the bread and set aside a portion for the, the priest. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and I think the same thing is true to us. But Paul is just making a point here about that that if, if part of the lump is, and, and you'll have to see this as we go on. If part of it is holy, the whole thing is holy. And so, um, yes. Uh, I do remember that, by the way. You remember where he cashed the checks at? At Kmart. Yeah, on Friday night. So anyway, well, I, I, I digress. So uh, the second figure of the root is more comprehensive so, since it admits an application to the conversion of the Gentiles. The thought of both figures centers on holy. Notice there, uh, if the root is holy, the lump is also holy. Uh, and so are the branches. So the idea of what's being set apart or being holy here. And so Paul's making a point. Uh, this is the holiness of the lump and branches because the first fruit of the dough was offered was considered holy. Therefore, the entire amount of dough would be considered holy or set apart. So, so if you set the first fruit apart for the priest, actually the whole dough was still holy and, and, and we'll see why he's using this here. I know it's a little confusing, but stay with me. So if the dough is holy or the root was holy or set apart, God can't forsake his promises he made to the patriarchs. If, if the root of the tree is holy or the bread is holy, the whole thing is holy. And so notice here, so are the branches. So if we have this root or this tree or this bush and, the, and just the root is holy, the branches coming off of it are holy. What do you think that would represent? In this case, it's the Jews, right? The, the, tr- the, branch, the root represents the Jews, and the branches, or excuse me, the, the root represents the patriarchs, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which we've already talked about. The promises were made to them that you will be a great nation, 
and then you, all the nations of the world would be blessed. Then the branches here, notice the branches represent, I think, Israel, uh, or represent the people. And so what Paul is trying to convey here is those that, to those at Rome is this very important truth, that God is not finished with Israel. And, and that's what he wants us to make see as we start seeing this. And this is going to be the theme through the rest of the chapter. For if they're being cast away as a reconciling of the world, that's the Jews, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit is holy, that is, and the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. And then in verse 17, if some of the branches were broken off, then who would that be? It's reference to the Jews, right? The unbelieving Jews. If some of the Jews who were... Who were um, given all the blessings, all the blessings of being a Jew, and they rejected it, rejected the, 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 the uh, offer of God, they're considered broken off. And so um, uh, we've had this, uh, uh, I know this opens up a can of worms uh, when it comes to the subject of eschatology, and we'll talk about that as we go later on. Uh, and we've had this discussion before, and we'll continue to do that. What is the future state of Israel as a nation, and what is the future as a people? And um, I'm not going to come to any certain conclusions here, but I'll tell you what I think. Um, I have some answers when it comes to eschatology, but I certainly don't have them all. And there's greater minds than eyes um, than mine. Um, but... Um, We'll, we'll look at that because that's going to determine how we think about the future of Israel in the rest of this chapter. Is God done with Israel? If he is, does he have a, is he just concerned about the Jews? Is he concerned about Israel as a nation? And so we see here uh, he's starting to talk about the Gentiles in verse 17. There he says, and, and if some of the branches are broken off and you being a wild olive tree, who would that be? Gentiles, right? So if some of the branches were broken off, here's the root, all the blessings that came from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Jews had them, the branches are broken off, now the wild olive branches are grafted in, uh, are grafted in among them, and with them become a partaker of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Here's the Gentiles being grafted in, not as a second thought in God's sovereign plan, but again, you're, we're using an analogy here of Gentiles who weren't given the promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but were, are later on brought in to uh, the root here and uh, are part of it. Um, so um, some have said, uh, from a horticultural standpoint, this is a bad analogy, and I'm not going to get into that too much, but uh, the thought is, uh, the criticism goes like this. You don't graft new branches into an old root. Um, you, uh, that's not the way you do things. And then Paul's just making a point here. He's not making a scientific um, statement. He's making a point about, theoretically, if you have a root and you bring new branches into it, um, then into the old root. Uh, that's not the proper method, what some would say. Uh, but I, again, I don't think, Paul's too worried about the supposed criticism here. I just bring it up because you might read it in some of the commentaries. Paul's just simply making a very important point here. 
uh, that's, it's clear from verse 17 that the broken branches represent the Jews and the olive tree or the wild olives represent the Gentiles. And so, um, again, it, we'll see this as we finish the chapter here uh, that th- we have to keep that in mind. Uh, Hendrickson in his commentary says, uh, what the apostle was saying then is clear. He is telling a typical Gentile member of the Roman church who was tending to become somewhat arrogant that that member should never forget who he really was. He wasn't part of the original root. He was really, he was secondary, as it were. And he had come in from the outside and had been spiritually grafted in amongst the Jews. Only in this manner had he come to share in a nourishing sap from the olive tree. To the proud Gentile members, Paul says, consider how much you owe the Jews. And so that's, that's the idea here. Don't, don't think that you were somehow special, but, and we're going to find out, he's going to give a warning to the Gentiles here as we move through. Don't think you were somehow special, but Paul says you were grafted in among them and with them became partakers of the root and the fatness of the olive tree. Um, the, um, I just remind you, uh, from our perspective, uh, consider this, all 12 apostles were Jews, well, actually 13, 14, if you include Paul, right, um, uh, and Matthias. The apostle Paul was a Jew, he was a Pharisee, uh, Jesus himself was a Jew, and, uh, and so we as Gentiles owe much to the Jews, as it were. The scriptures all came through the Jews. The blessings came through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and through Jesus Christ, all the world will be blessed. And so, uh, again, I just remind us all here, and I think Paul's making a reminder, that uh, we, we don't want to just say, all oh, them Jews... Uh, they're, they're, they're messed up, but uh, we do owe uh, something to them. Uh, in uh, John 4.22, I just read this. Um, well, 4.21, Jesus said to her, Woman, believe the hour is coming when you will neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is what? Of the Jews. So our very salvation comes through the Jews, and, uh, and so Paul wants to remind us. Salvation to the Gentiles clearly came through the Jews, and um, in fact, Paul starts this uh, whole book out when he says, uh, bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated uh, to the gospel of God, which he promised before through his prophets and the Holy Scripture concerning his son Jesus, who was born in a seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God. So the gospel clearly came uh, through uh, the Jews. MacArthur says, Gentiles are not the source of the blessing, but have been grafted into the covenant of salvation that God made with Abraham. It's not the Gentiles that support the root, but the root that supports the Gentiles. And I think that's a great perspective for us to keep in mind uh, when we talk about uh, the gospel and, and, and our uh, Jewish brothers and sisters. So any, any thoughts here? Any comments? Tim? Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we don't want to forget. Um, yes, Karen. Yes, yes. It is through Christ alone, but, but, but it, the, the promises came from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That in, so they were Jews, and so the, the salvation obviously comes through Christ alone. But the gospel itself came through the Jews. It came, he came, uh, he came uh, as it were, and the, the 12 disciples were Jews. And so he brought the gospel. When you go, in, go into all the world preaching the gospel, uh, and you start in Jerusalem and Judea, and so it started through the Jews. I'm not saying that salvation is of the Jews. It came through the Jews. We, we owe our heritage, as it were, our salvation heritage, because it came through the Jews. Does that, that make sense? Okay, thanks. Now, all Paul's point here is making is that the, we, we cannot be arrogant and think that somehow the Jews were not, um, that what happened to the Jews won't happen to us. And he's going to make that point. But he's also reminding us that the, the original root, as it were, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the promises did come through the Jews. So I do think there's a sense, and I'll talk about this maybe next week, I, I think there's a sense in which we should... Uh, see that our faith um, was to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. And so we should honor that. Um, I, whatever, whatever your view is on Israel or not in the future, uh, maybe we'll get to that at the end, and that comes to eschatology. I have one view. Um, maybe others have a different view. But um, I, I will probably at this point go to my grave believing that the God that the Jews are God's chosen people and I think there's something special for the Jews in Israel I don't know all what it is but um, God picked them out he didn't pick out us he picked out the Jews for a, a reason uh, and so um, yeah to your point um, how far we go with that I, I don't know um, but there is something there. Yes. Sure. And so yeah. I, yeah, and, and I think that it's so 
And, and you're right. Yeah, and that's that. We'll see that as we go through here. Um, verse 16 and 17, we've already read. Um, verse 18, as I, we talked about uh, what we, we just left off. And then verse 19 and 20, it says, You will say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. This is where it gets interesting. Well said, because of unbelief they were broken off. Now listen to what he says here. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. Here's a warning to the Gentiles. And so I think Paul uh, is not just simply reading 8.19 uh, as, as, as we just read it in our Bibles. I think we miss the emphasis here. Uh, I think some of the Gentiles were saying, oh, well, the Jews were broken off so that I could be grafted in. And, and Paul um, is saying uh, in verse 20, uh, I agree or, or, or well said, but he reminds them of why the Jews were broken off. Paul says because of unbelief, uh, or uh, we might translate that unfaith. And so the warning here is we can't just say, oh, well, the Jews were broken off. Now I get to come in. Uh, we should, first of all, sympathize, right, that there are unbelievers. There's people in the world that aren't believers, Jew or Gentile. Secondly, he says uh, in verse uh, Branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said. You're, you're right about what you're saying. But because of unbelief, they were broken off. And you stand by faith. Do not be haughty or fear. So the idea here is um, that, uh, that the, um, the, the Jews were cut off because of a lack of faith. And the Gentiles were grafted in. They stand by faith. And so salvation is always by faith. What, is it te- what's, what does that tell you? If the Jews were broken off because of unbelief, or un, we could translate that unfaith, and the Gentiles stand by faith, what does that tell us? That if we don't stand by faith, we'll be broken off, right? And that's what he's going to t- tell us here. That don't be haughty. Don't, don't think just because that the Jews were broken off and you were grafted in that that's, that's the end of all things. Uh, but fear, uh, and he puts that word here, um, the fear, the Jews were cut off. And so, as I said, salvation has always been by faith alone. However, faith is... Uh, by its nature, excludes boasting or self-esteem. It includes godly fear. Faith, in its definition, does not include boasting because there would be, what are we boasting in? We're boasting in ourselves. And so Paul was just warning him there, be afraid, uh, be reminded that there are those in the church that claim to profess Christ that really aren't believers. And and so Paul's taking a, a point here and saying, look, if some of the Jews who looked like they were believers were cut off because of their unbelief, be warned that that could happen to the Gentiles and those that were broken off. And then in verse 21 here, uh, Paul, he says, For if God did not spare the natural branches, that's the Jews, he may not spare you either. That's the Gentiles. Uh, he gives a reason for the fear. If God didn't spare the natural branches then what makes you think that he would spare those that were grafted in um, if they fall away? 
neither will he spare you. Uh, Barnes, in his commentary, puts it like this. If God did not refrain from rejecting the Jews who became unbelievers, assuredly he will not refrain from rejecting you in the same circumstances. Uh, It may be supposed that he will be quite as ready to reject the engrafted branches as those that belong to the parent's stock. So just a warning here, right? A warning to all of us. Don't, uh, what happened to the Jews doesn't mean it can't happen to us. We're not talking about loss of salvation. We're talking about unbelief. And, there was, and that's why he qualified the term beforehand, professing Gentiles. Not everyone in the church is a believer. They may look like a branch, but they are not branches, uh, true branches. Um, the um, situation for the Gentiles is not uh, such as to give them any security over the condition of the rejected Jews. Uh, the, um, we'll just, let's just turn to 1 Corinthians uh, 10, and we'll look at this real quick, and then I'll close. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10. This is Paul's warning to the Jews. Uh, Let me just read verses 1 through 5. He says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. Notice verse 5. But with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered to wilderness. They were broken off. They all had enjoyed the same blessings, but with most of them, they were broken off. Verses 11 and 13. Let me just finish with this. Now, all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition. They were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the age has come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. So, Take Paul's warning here very seriously that if the Jews by nature were broken off because of unbelief, surely Gentiles who profess Christ and fall away will be broken off and there will be uh, the same uh, punishment for both. So I'll close with that. Any comments or questions, see me afterwards. Thank you. Uh, We'll try to wrap this up uh, next week.